For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand fast, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Bless the Lord who forgiveth all our sins. His mercy endureth forever. Amen. Please be seated. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand fast, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. We who are in Christ Jesus are free. We are free from sin and death. For Christ has overcome sin, and he is our deliverer who delivers us from death that we may be with him forever. He is, as you hear me so often say, the final word in this world. And his is the word of life and salvation. And so we have been set free. And yet so often we fail to live in our freedom. We fail to walk in our freedom. And we submit ourselves again to some of those things that had power over us before we were in Christ. So what are some of the things that look to enslave us? We know from the Word of God that sin is always crouching at the door. Sin is always waiting to enslave us. Now, why does evil want to enslave us? Because according to the early church fathers, God announced to the holy angels long before the creation of man that he would create man in his image and likeness and that he would join himself to the created order by becoming man and that the angels of God would serve humankind. Now, Michael thought this was great news. Why was it great news? Because it was God's will. And whatever God's will was, he rejoiced in that. He didn't have to approve it. Now, this is where I'm a little different from St. Michael the Archangel. I love to do God's will too, but I like when he submits his plans to me first so I can look them over and decide if I am agreeable with his plans. I also like to understand. Now, why do we have to do that? I don't see any reason for that. You wouldn't. You're mortal. Right? Well, that's beside the point, God. I want to know what's going on. So you see... Lucifer, though, he wasn't excited. He also wanted to please God and to do God's will as long as he felt that it was not beneath him. And so the early church fathers tell us that Satan had jealousy in his heart because he felt that he was the greater being. So why should he serve man? Rather, mankind should serve him. And so he spends his time now trying to enslave us 
because he believes that that is our rightful place, to be servants and slaves to him, rather than he serving us. And so sin seeks to enslave us. Temptations can enslave us. They can capture the heart. But fear can also enslave us. Fear of walking with our God. Fear of change. Fear of following our Lord's will and not knowing what that will mean. Fear of being made uncomfortable. Fear of the unfamiliar. Fear can also enslave us. If we look at the first reading today from the 16th chapter of the book of Exodus... It says, and the whole congregation of the people of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. Now, I love that word murmur. They murmured. They murmured. The definition of murmur is a mumbled or private expression of discontent offered not in an open, honest, or direct way. Well, you know, I don't like that kind of stuff, I'll tell you that, you know. Did you notice that change? Not too happy with that, you know. I really don't like those pink vestments they use. Thank you. Takes a real man to put this on twice, twice a year. <laughs> One person, I, w I won't tell you who it was, but it was Diana Newton-Wood, um, <laughs> came into the chapel this morning and said, oh, great, it's Cotton Candy Sunday again. <laughs> they murmured. Now, let's be honest. This passage could read, and the whole congregation of the people of Holy Trinity Anglican Church Marlboro murmured. We sometimes murmur, don't we? We sometimes complain about things, especially when God is calling us out of what we are comfortable with. Especially when God is calling us to something new, and we don't know the full plan. Recently, Bishop Charlie gathered with the, the clergy and postulants of the archdeaconry. And we had an opportunity to ask him questions and for him to share his vision with us for uh, his vision of the diocese with us. The good news is that anything we wanted to murmur about, we didn't have to really worry about until July 1st when he becomes diocesan bishop. And anything we liked, we could say, well, you know, maybe we can just start implementing that now, you see, you know, in anticipation for that. 
But, you know, someone asked, so what's your, what's your, what's your vision? What's your, your, your vision statement? What's your mission statement uh, for the next five years? Where, you know those questions. Where do you see the diocese in five years? And he said, my vision is that we proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and we reach people for Jesus And I want everyone, no matter what age they are, to know that that's our vision. Beyond that, he said, I have no idea. I have no idea. But we do like to murmur, don't we? I mean, when we think of our, our sins, we often think, oh, Lord, I ate too much, or oh, Lord, I drank too much, or oh, Lord, I ate and drank too much, or I gossiped uh, somewhat, and... You know, or, oh, Lord, I, you know, I took your name in vain, and, and, and you know, or, you know, Lord, I stole that, uh, you know, thing from uh, work or, or whatever, right? How many of us have ever said, Lord, I repent of murmuring, of murmuring? Because what murmuring says is that we want to be in control, we want to know the plan. We want to be comfortable. And so we murmur. And so they murmured against Moses and Aaron. That is the leadership. Now it doesn't say it here, but my guess is that Moses and Aaron then murmured back. Well, you know, those people are really about pain and uh, I don't know what they would say, took us or something, right? <laughs> you know, those people, that's what my father used to always say, you know. So, you know, you know those people, you know, they're really driving me crazy, you know, and, uh, those people. And so murmuring can consume us. And where did they do, do this? They did it in the wilderness. You see, they were called out of something that they were familiar with into something they were unfamiliar with. Even though they used to be slaves, there was part of them that preferred that because it was familiar. They knew what to expect in Egypt. Now they were in the wilderness. They'd been set free, but now they were murmuring. And they're always wanting more. Always wanting more. I can remember back in 2004 when I came here, um, one of the things that Steve uh, Walker, as the head of the search committee, had to repent from was that I uh, was a Yankee fan. He said, well, you know, what can I do, you know? There, there wasn't many people applying for the job, you know? So. And I remember I came, and shortly thereafter, the, the pennant race was on, and you know, the Yankees were up three games to none. Three games to none. And I said, um, oh, well, you know, if, if they come back and beat uh, the Yankees and go on to win the World Series, I'll wear red stockings to church that following Sunday, right? Now, how many teams have ever come back in a pennant game race series when they are down three games to none in the history of baseball. Does anyone know? Zero. So I thought I was pretty safe, right? Zero. 
Well, they went on to win the next four consecutive games against the Yankees, and I sat stunned. <laughs> That's it. I said, Christine, we got to go shopping for stockings. <laughs> right? And then people started saying, well, you know, we beat the Yankees four games in a row. We came back. Maybe now we could have the World Series. And it reminded me so much of Israel. Oh, sure, you brought us out of Egypt and safely through the Red Sea, but now can you feed us in the wilderness? Always wanting more. Of course, God found it some, for some reason in his, in his will to give you the World Series as well. But, <laughs> but uh, anyway... I was chanting Psalm 22 for a while. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But anyway. Um, and I wore the red stockings. And it was on the website for a while. You remember that, Steve? It was on the website for a while. Anyway. We're called out of what we're familiar with. And we begin to murmur. Because we're not comfortable. And then the people said, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. That is, they actually wanted to go back to Egypt where they were slaves, where they were in bondage, because it was familiar to them. And what we are familiar with, we identify with. And what we identify with, we become comfortable with. And what we are comfortable with, we have security. And so they wanted to return. They were hungry. They were hungry, but they didn't trust the Lord in the midst of the wilderness to provide. To provide. They wanted to know the game plan. Lord, you couldn't possibly have called us out here just to die here. Fill us in. Trust me. Fill us in. Trust me. And so they murmured against him. They wanted to go back to what was familiar. They said, When we sat by the flesh pots and ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Now the word assembly in Greek is ecclesia, and it's the word for the church. So Lord, you're calling us out of what we're familiar with, even though it's slavery and bondage, and you're calling us to something new, and we don't fully see the plan ahead, and we, at times, can be gripped by fear. By fear. Have you brought us into the wilderness to kill the church? My dear friends, we, in this Lenten season, are on a journey to move from a lack of trust in the Lord to a greater trust in the Lord. One where we do not have to see the plans fully ahead of time or understand what God is doing. We are being called out of what we are familiar with and what we have identified with which will challenge our comfort and our security. Now, 
We've been hitting around 60 people on Sunday, and my two kids are sick, and one of them has a dance recital later today, and so Christine didn't come. I knew if Christine and the girls didn't come that that meant that Mary Lou and Leo weren't coming, and I'm thinking, oh boy, that's five down. Oh, I hope William and Brenda show up. But that's 10 right there, right? When they came through, I was, oh, there they are. I knew they'd do it. I knew they'd do it. But you see, we're comfortable with this. God's calling us to do something new and wonderful for him, and it's going to stretch us as a church family. It's going to stretch us as individuals. We may have 120 people or 200 people in the church, and many we will not know. See, we usually grow by a handful of people at, at a time so we can get to know their names. And after they've been here three weeks, we just consider them part of the church family. And it's like they've, we've, they've never not been with us, right? But soon, we might have a lot of new people. And people who have different ideas and, and different customs. And we will be out of our comfort zone. So what do we do? How can we be comfortable? Well, first, we have to shift our identity a little bit. We have to be familiar with God and his word and his call in our hearts. Because if we're familiar with God and his call in our hearts, then our identity will not change. Because what we're familiar with is what we identify with. So if I am familiar with something that is incomplete or unhealthy, I identify with it, then when it changes, I begin to lose my sense of identity. Ident you said it even without me, right? Good job. Identity. Identity. But if my if I'm familiar with the Lord and with his word and with his call, if my trust is in him, then no matter what else changes, he remains the same. His word remains the same. His call in my life remains the same. And therefore, my identity does not have to change because it's in him and in nothing else. Anything else we're familiar with in this world can be taken away from us. But if we're familiar with the Lord and with his word and his love, then our identity can never be taken from us. Oh, things may change, but we will remain ourselves because our identity is in the Lord. I've changed Although I was born this way, for a long time, it didn't continue. You know, I had hair. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I changed. Right? Things about us change, but our identity remains the same. So our identity must be in the Lord. So God is calling us to follow him. Hopefully you all saw the good news that the purchase and sale has been signed and we will be closing 
on April 15th. Yeah, so yeah, thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. So if you don't know what to do with your tax return on April 15th, I, <laughs> I have a suggestion. <laughs> but we're going to be uncomfortable, too. It's going to be very new. Do you know we've almost been here for seven years? In here. How old were you seven years ago? Nine. Nine. How old were you? Four? Wow. Brian was four. Jenny was nine. That's how long we've been here. And of course, we're, fam we're familiar with everyone around us. But that's going to change too. And there's going to be uh, people that uh, we know and people we don't know. And people of different economic backgrounds. And there's going to be people we're comfortable with and people we're not comfortable with. But guess what? All of them will be persons loved by the Lord Jesus. They will be people for whom he died and rose. And they will be people whom God is calling us to share the good news with. So, as we go forward as a people, let us go forward as a family. If sometimes we're uncomfortable, tell someone. Don't start murmuring. And I do it too. I do it too. Right? Right, but don't start murmuring, but say, you know what, well, I'm having a hard time, this is really tough, and let us pray for one another. Let's come alongside one another. Because what matters is that we bring honor and glory to the Lord. And that our identity is in him and in his word and in his love. And that we make his presence and his word and his love known in the hearts of people. People we're comfortable ministering to and people we're uncomfortable ministering to. Right? And guess what? We're going to meet lots of people, though, that are just like us. Fallen, broken, stumbling, selfish, Murmurers, murmurers, you know, a lot of murmurers in this church, I tell you. But let us go forth as a family, and let us trust in God. So, if you find yourself, as I sometimes do, saying, Lord, I'll do whatever it is that you want, whatever your will is, I will do it. Just submit the plans to me first. If you find yourself doing that, surrender it and say, Lord, the only thing that matters is you. I don't have to approve the plan. If you find yourself wanting to go back to Egypt, back to a time when you were comfortable, give that to the Lord too. Because unless we surrender, he cannot do a mighty thing in our hearts and in our life and in the, our church family unless we surrender everything else to him. So when you find yourself wanting to go back to Egypt, wasn't it great when we didn't have to pay utilities? Wasn't it great when the furnace was not our problem? 
Wasn't it great when we could walk through the halls and say, wow, look at that. The Methodists, really, that's terrible. <laughs> right? <laughs> you did that this morning? Yes, yes, thank goodness we don't have to deal with that leak down there. That is true, right? When we find ourselves doing that, let us, let us be strong together. Let us love one another, but love God even more. Let us trust in him. Let, let there be times when we're uncomfortable. Let us find our way together by God's strength. Let us be familiar with him with his word, and with his love. Let our identity be there. Let us surrender so he can do a mighty thing. And I'm going to close, I promise. <laughs> Bobby started laughing back there. He's like, oh, praise God. Look at the gospel in John chapter 6. All these people are hungry. They're hungering for something. But the church, the apostles, they feel that they really have nothing to offer them. Where can we get enough to feed all these people? Right? So that can be like us sometimes, right? There's a real hunger out there. There's a real need out there. But we are just overwhelmed because... Because if we don't trust that the Lord can do it, we're going to say, well, what can we do? We don't have enough resources to do that. Right? And then what does Jesus do? He says to Philip, how are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? And it says that Jesus said this to test him. So we too will be tested. We will become uncomfortable. There will be times, I remember my dad years ago telling me that uh, when I got old enough to drive, because I was like, oh, I can't wait till I'm 16, I can't wait, da, da, da. And I remember he told me that the day I bought my first car, I'd spend the rest of the de my days at the table like this, wondering, you know, how can I get the money for the gas, the repairs, the insurance, and, and, and all of that, right? And just, you know, and so I can remember that. And so he's going to test us. There's going to be times when we're like, oh, right? And we want to murmur to the Lord. But he will give us strength in the midst of the test. It says, for he himself knew what he would do. That is, that he can do it. If we but give him a little, he will do the rest. But the question is, do you know what he can do. Do we know what he can do? And if we do, do we trust in that enough to follow him to where we are uncomfortable? Philip answered, 200 denarii would not buy enough bread for each of them to get a little. In other words, we have nothing to offer. We just don't have the resources there's nothing we can do, right? But Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they among so many? 
But you see, something in Andrew's heart thought, maybe Jesus could do something with this, right? Because he points it out. And this is the big thing that happens. What the church offered to the Lord wasn't very big. It was small potatoes. Well, actually bread and fish, but it was, thank you, Bobby, it was small amount. But what he did with it, what God did with it, was miraculous. See, the little we have to offer for the kingdom isn't miraculous. But what God will do with the little we will offer for his kingdom will be miraculous. Do we believe that? Do we trust him? Jenny says yes. And she's only nine. No, whatever. Right? Do we believe him? Do we believe him when we're uncomfortable? Do we believe him when we don't have the plans? Do we believe him when we meet people that we really don't want to minister to? Do we believe him when we're uncomfortable in new ministries that God's calling? Do we believe him when the roof is leaking and it's our roof? Do we believe him? That's our question. And what the gospel is saying is we may or may not, but he is believable. We can trust him. We can trust that with the little we have to offer God, he will do big things with it. In the last nine and a half years here, many of us have seen many miracles, many blessings, lots of new people. You ain't seen nothing yet if we trust in him. So, I say, we say to Jesus, we don't need to see the plans. We're willing to be uncomfortable. We're giving up comfort for Lent. We're giving up our need for control for Lent. We're giving up the fact that my idea of what the church should be is somehow greater than the Lord's idea of what the church should be. We're giving that up, and we're going to trust in you. And we're going to love the unlovable. And we're going to minister to everyone. Because that's what we're called to do. But let's help one another along the way. There will be times when I'll feel like murmuring. There will be times when I'll say, Egypt. I want to go back to Egypt. Right. Come alongside me. Say, it's all right, Father Michael. We're going to make it. Just have to trust in the Lord. Amen.